Hey everybody, Chad Parsons here. Welcome to Memorial Day 2020. Uh, this is one of the very select few non-fantasy football, non-dynasty fantasy football shows that I do on the uh, the annual calendar. This is the fifth year that I've recorded a Memorial Day message. Obviously, 2020 is a little different than some of the previous iterations here in terms of climate and sort of where we all sit um, as a society. So hopefully this message finds you well and, you know, we will get through this uh, is the general message. You know, we'll keep grinding every day uh, like the UTH message at the end of every show, the close, the outro of never settling and refuse to be average. And I think, you know, keep grinding and uh, and uh, keep working uh, is is the the phrase that pays here. And uh, for folks that don't know, uh, just here, or if you haven't heard uh, the previous uh, previous annual messages here for Memorial Day, um, I am Chad Parsons. And before, and actually in conjunction with uh, the early stages of me being a dynasty fantasy football analyst or expert or whatever moniker goes along with putting your opinions, article, podcasting out into public, out into the ether. Um, I was an active duty soldier in the U.S. Army. Uh, my career started back in 2003, uh, just a little backstory. And uh, I got to travel a little bit, uh, not as much, I would say, as the average uh, soldier, airman, marine, uh, Coast Guard, um, all the branches in terms of uh, generally how much you move around. I did my training. I actually started out, uh, joined the military in Colorado um, when I was in grad school. Um, so finished the, the year I was doing of grad school. Um, and I was also a musician in the military and in the Army. So that is a little different career path. And uh, MOS, uh, which is Military Occupational Specialty, which basically means what is your job? Um, so I was a trumpet player. That's what I was going to school for. And I was going to school partly to, uh, to not bide time, but to improve myself until I got a job. And so I was able to do that um, after... Um, starting grad school there in Colorado and then ended up and that's where you do sort of your in processing some of your initial testing uh, found out I was going to go to uh, basic training at Fort Knox uh, which is in Kentucky then I did my my secondary training which is a lot longer than basic training for most people um, some some uh, some specialty training is shorter um, but a lot of times it's uh, two, two and a half months or so for basic training. I don't know in the 15 years or so since if it's changed, but that's what it was when I joined. Uh, I was about nine, nine and a half weeks. Uh, I know that varied by branch. And then I went to the my secondary training, which was all music related. I, I say tongue in cheek, all music related, but there was still plenty of uh, non-music stuff uh, that you were doing uh, during that course of time. That ended up being, I got out quote unquote early. Um, it's really a six month course. I think I got out in five or five and a half. Uh, uh, some people, uh, you know, you could potentially test out and, uh, and get out in three, four months. Uh, that was not me. I got out marginally early, uh, which was, you know, every day, every day extra is, is nice. So, uh, but that was in Southern Virginia, 
and then ended up transferring to my first uh, assignment, which was in Virginia as well. And then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, because uh, the way you move around, the way uh, they end up shifting uh, personnel, I was going to be overseas, probably in the first uh, couple of years. Uh, once I got out of training, I was probably going to go to Korea um, or somewhere of the ilk. And in that time, there was an opening in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, for one of the specialty bands. And I auditioned and was able to win that audition, get a spot, and that is a stabilized assignment, which is very hard to get in the military, um, whether it's musicians or otherwise. And so I was pretty much stabilized and I could be there in the Northern Virginia and DC area for the duration of the time I served, which was a total from when I got into basic training of 12 and a half years, 12 and a half, 12 years, four months, something like that. And uh, I'll tell you, it was a very difficult decision uh, to get out because um, I had been working my way towards uh, bigger platforms and doing more things and expanding my my universe of, of covering the NFL college and and putting the fantasy and dynasty take and spin on it for, for team building. So that was something that I was doing in conjunction the entire time. I had some other side hustles, but my main side hustle was fantasy football. And um, over the last, I would say, so I started doing the, the weekly podcast here for, for Under the Helmet in 2011, and uh, I did not get out of the military until 2015. So you can see that there was definitely some overlap, um, and beyond the, the weekly podcast, I was doing other things and expanding, and you know, before I got out, the, the, the UTH Dynasty website was already going on, so there was a lot of things in the hopper, and... The, the reason I got out, and it really had minimal to do with, uh, with my, my military job. Um, I actually liked my military job. Um, the one thing was that, you know, the, the location was not ideal. Uh, it might be ideal for some people, um, but in terms of uh, our lifestyle and needs and, uh, and some, some health issues and things like that, that, that just it was not the best area is what I would say. So um, that limitation of you will be here and which again is the opposite of, of generally in the military every year or two, you're kind of on the move and going somewhere, uh, which, which is great for some explore the world, see the world. Um, and that is definitely a perk uh, for those that, that enjoy that. And then on the other side of the spectrum, sometimes being, and I guess it would be like any corporate job as well. It's like, this is where the office is. This is where you work. And this is where you, you know, the area you need to live because this is where you work. So um, that was our situation. And so part of it was location. Part of it was a change of scenery that was desired. The other part was I really felt like I could not focus uh, entirely and see where can I go with dynasty fantasy football as a potential career choice. And it really felt like a golden opportunity to, yes, I could stick a pin in it. Yes, I could go another seven, eight years to retirement. And, and then, you know, kind of push the gas pedal forward all the way and see where we can go. But that lost time, you never know what the true impact of that would be at the moment. And ultimately decided that, you know, it's doing well enough. Let's, uh, let's see, Let, let's, let's do the unthinkable and uh, say no to the upcoming and potential uh, retirement uh, check, which I would say uh, for folks that it is not enough to 
actually quote unquote retire for the rest of your life. Uh, you would still need to do something else. You would still need to have a tangible and non-insignificant job in some capacity to uh, bridge the gap of what your current pay is versus what your pay would be um, at the point of, of retiring after 20 years in the military. So um, I figured in my head, I would still need to do something else. Um, and I wanted this to be it, this meaning fantasy football in some capacity. And um, it was just the time to jump in. And, and say, you know, push the push the bird out of the nest, the baby bird, and see if they can fly. And if it didn't work out, you know, they always say, you know, don't, don't really have, you know, people. If if you create a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stop gaps and a lot of, um, you know, just uh, systems of safety below you, uh, harnesses, then uh, then you'll never treat be, I guess, truly motivated or, you know, get all the way out there and, and really jump in with all all your, all your force and effort and, and desire. And I, so I really didn't have much of a stopgap and just kind of jumped in and, and said, this is my thing. I'm going to do it every single day and let's see where we can go with this. Now that I uh, don't have some of these other time, effort, energy, emotional, mental responsibilities, uh, that come along with the military. And, uh, it has ended up working out. I've been out for five years now. Um, and I still have plenty of memories of being in. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to, to remember time when you were in, or especially time before you were in. Um, so Memorial day just kind of shifts. So that's a little bit of backstory for me. Um, I was in, a, like I said, a specialty unit, um, where, uh, we were at a, a post in an installation where we saw uh, we were not a deployable unit by the letter of the law. I mean, obviously, if something um, outside the ordinary, something very, uh, something very threatening, you know, that does alter. I was not there for 9-11. Um, I was just I was there a couple of years after. So um, but I know what our unit did for 9-11, which is security, which is traditional. You know, we were ones that we did. We did traditional military training, uh, but not as much as infantry units. But we were attached to an infantry unit there uh, that was attached to the White House and a lot of the things in Washington, D.C. as uh, the official musical escort to the president. So we did a lot of things in terms of the Pentagon, the White House, um, CIA, um, all of those uh, big organizations there um, in the D.C. area. So so we were, we were trained um, to a to a benchmark level for a lot of those security measures, whether it's marksmanship or, um, you know, gas mask training and, uh, um, again, security measures. And so we would basically, what would happen is we would transition and take over security, um, in that area. If, um, the, the primary security units would have to go and do to, uh, more advanced things. And, so again, 9-11 was, was pretty much, uh, from my memory and from talking to coworkers that were there long before um, I got there in 2003 or four, that uh, that was the biggest, um, the biggest unsettling uh, situation in terms of changing what our responsibilities were. But, but to, to get all the way back to Memorial Day is I saw um, we were attached to deployable units. And when I, especially when I was in my first military band uh, before getting to D.C., that we would do um, one of the biggest things, at least one of the most meaningful I did during that year was uh, doing arrival and departure ceremonies, which was uh, which was deployable um, units and companies um, leaving to, to go into harm's way um, out, outside the country 
and coming back and to see the families, um, to see um, those situations of saying goodbye to loved ones and, and knowing they are at more at risk and, and definitely the greater unknown of, of going into those situations than, than if they were still here uh, working at their uh, installations here stateside. And seeing them come back, you know, and seeing the, the, the families, uh, the, the spouses, the kids, um, the extended family, all those things that were a part of that ceremony. And we would just be there, again, playing, uh, playing music uh, before, during, after, you know, the, the anthem, things like that. Uh, just being ancillary, um, supportive elements of, of those ceremonies was um, was again a very connective thing and it, it kind of felt like you know the minimum that, that that we could kind of be doing but to to still help out show support and, and be part of that cohesive military unit which we were um, but doing a number of those and again you would be on call uh, when they were coming back it wouldn't be a definite hey 235 in the afternoon they'll be here um, it would be more you know you're kind of there you're vamping it could be that time it could be in an hour um, you know you're, you're kind of on call and it, part of it was a security thing of just you know don't want anyone really tracking the exact time exact place um, type um, type locales and, and, and information about the event but uh, but just seeing um, again the emotion and and someone losing a family member to the unknown of being deployed uh, was a major element there, um, and that was that was a big part um, of that first year of just kind of learning because I definitely you know at 16, 18, 20, 22 years old was not someone that was thinking you know I you know my whole family's been to, in the military and I'm going to go into the military and you know it was that thing I mean my dad served um, in the Navy for and I'm actually going to have him on I, I believe for Veterans Day we're going to record a show together so that's not for a few months down the line here but uh, I believe he served for five years. I'm going to go plus or minus one year, five years. Um, but I did not have a, you know, everyone in my family was in the military. So I will too sort of backing. And it's not that, you know, my, my parents or my dad or anything like that were pushing me towards the military in any capacity. So that was totally my choice. Um, it was something that was sprung out of an opportunity to perform music, um, and do that in a paid occupational fashion. And, uh, but, but again, um, it was something that at, at, again, in my college years or high school years, I was not really thinking military. Um, I wasn't pro or con or, or anything in that in terms of, um, in, in terms of what I thought about it, because we were in an area, Northern California, near Oregon that didn't have a lot of, of presence, let's say, you know, it wasn't like a, I'm thinking, you know, there's, there's places on the Eastern seaboard or, um, I'm thinking of Texas, just places I've been in general, uh, whether I was in the military or not, that had a bigger military presence than, uh, than where I was, you know, in the, in the Northwest. And, um, so anyway, getting back to, to Memorial day, which again, I think is very different than veterans day. Veterans day is sort of a celebration of, of service and Memorial day is to me about sacrifice. It, it's about, um, those that have lost their life, those that have sacrificed the ultimate, uh, the ultimate, uh, um, the ultimate, uh, sacrifice, as I would say to, to the nation, to, um, towards our freedoms, which I think now we're seeing, um, the, the spectrum of what freedom can be at any given moment, what freedom can, can, uh, can represent. And 
you know, it's about that protection of, of what we have and, you know, what we're striving for. And again, going back to those arrival departure ceremonies and the thing that I did the most, um, the, the, the mission that I um, have the most in my record over 12 years that I really enjoyed doing was I was I played um, military honors. I was part of the military honor team and everyone that played trumpet slash bugle um, was on this rotation. But I volunteered a, a number of times uh, for a number of different reasons that uh, you would go to to cemeteries. And uh, so I did that in the greater DC area. I also traveled to other states. Um, there would be times where someone in our uh, someone at our installation, when they would, uh, um, when they, when they would be, excuse me, uh, when they would, uh, when they would pass on that they would have to, uh, you know, we would travel and provide military honors, provide that respect for their ceremony. Um, if, if they so chose in their, in their hometown. So we would, um, we would provide a team. I, I traveled to, to many different States, um, to do those things, but a lot of them were in the D- greater DC area and they were for, for older veterans that had served previously. And we would provide military honors. I did hundreds of those. Um, and that was the most, um, most common mission that I did. And to me, it's the most important. Um, and some of the things that I think about are that, there are not enough. Um, I think there's something called, it's called either bugles across America or um, taps across America that there, basically there's a shortage um, of uh, that. Not everybody, not everybody that uh, is eligible or wants to get um, military honors, which is a, uh, the, the, the most sparse unit of that would be, um, would be two flag folders. Um, and then you have an officer in charge, uh, essentially, which, uh, does the presentation. Uh, actually, I, I guess you could do it with two flag folders and then a bugle player, uh, a bugle or trumpet that's going to play taps. Um, so three, I think would be the absolute minimum. And then you can expand from there. You can also get to a, um, a 21 gun salute. Um, you can do a number of different things, um, that expands on that number, but you at least need a few, um, to, to provide, um, the, um, the requisite military honors. And we just don't have enough, um, active duty support in terms of the geographic area that some of these units and, uh, installations have to cover because you get to the, to parts of the middle of the country and they may have to cover an entire state. They may have to cover, I mean, we covered basically, I mean, no place we went was more than 45, 50, 55 minutes. Um, one way, which again, so that's, that's a, a chunk of your day is, is getting ready, um, going out there in, re- in enough time, uh, and being ready, performing your mission and then returning, um, to your, to your place of, of, of assignment. So it just, so we didn't have that, that sort of issue because we were, we had a number of them every single week and it was a, a, a decent, uh, location in terms of being able to, to support a number of these, um, a number of these, uh, military honors, but a lot of parts of the country, um, are just not, um, there is just not enough support. And so one thing I've always said is, you know, if that was a, a, a full-time assignment, you know, to cover a part of the area and maybe you're doing multiple per day, um, but you're covering, uh, X, you know, X, uh, cemeteries, you know, that, that, that certain number and the, those certain ones where just, if there's one that comes up and, and it fits your schedule and you can do it, you go and do it. 
Um, and, and there's, again, there's voluntary volunteer factions that, that do this. But to me, this is, again, someone that uh, devoted a portion of their life to, to supporting what we do, um, serving in the military. And, you know, whether they, um, whether they um, passed on in the line of duty or long, long after, you know, and, and lived a full, healthy life, either of those things, they served. Um, they served, they supported, and, uh, and again, they, uh, they, they did a duty towards our, our country and freedoms, et cetera. So um, that is one thing that I have been very supportive. That's something that I, I, I would say I learned, and I learned to appreciate a lot more um, as I served longer and longer in the, the U S army. And one thing that, um, I hope to, um, I hope to be able to support that and, and continue going forward, um, in my life. So beyond barbecues and the beach and good weather and and friends, um, I hope this weekend and specifically, uh, Memorial day itself is, is about taking a little bit of time, whether that's sharing stories, talking to an older uh, relative or friend or, or just someone that has, has served in some capacity in the, in the military to provide you know, some connection of, of this, this level of, of support and dedication to, to our way of life. You know, whether that's, like I said, whether that's remembering um, a grandfather you know, and hearing a few stories that, that, you know, how they served, um, years ago or someone that just got out of the military or someone that maybe is thinking about, uh, joining the military. Um, I think that is what, what the Memorial day, um, is about to some capacity, to some capacity about, about finding, finding out, um, just sort of the, the sacrifices that, that, that many have made. Um, I think that is, that's very important. And, uh, wish you the best for your your family, your friends, your loved ones. Thank you for listening. I am Chad Parsons, and until next time, as always, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. <laughs>